We're recording. It's February 22nd, 2024. Prayer list is going around. We'll just have some preliminary conversation as we get rolling here tonight. Um, yeah, we'll see what that trucker's boycott does. Uh, I was noticing that Google is is censoring anything to do with it. So you go on Google and type in truckers, okay, just that word, and it will have a list of options below there. Like it's called autocomplete. Like you can scroll down, okay, truckers uh, roadmap or truckers boots. Well, what it said was truckers southern border convoy was the first one. Then the next one was truckers hats and then truckers boots and then men's truckers hats and men's truckers boots. That's what they had. If you go to DuckDuckGo, the search engine, which doesn't censor what people are really searching, you type in truckers. The first one said truckers for Trump, and the next one said boycott New York City, truckers boycott New York City. So that's what people are really searching for, but Google is burying it. So I think they're concerned. You know, I think they're kind of concerned. I say the cabal is concerned. I uh, was on... Twitter, and I occasionally I can get some theological debate going back and forth, and you're supposed to, iron to sharpen iron, and you know we can always learn. Um, you had some people on there teaching that the rapture is at the end of the tribulation, and some saying there's no rapture at all. And I, I mean, I was taking them to in Luke 17 to the one taken, one left, which we've talked about here. <laughs> And they said, well, that's, that's nothing to do with the rapture. That's when they come, the angels come, and they, they take uh, the tares out of the wheat to burn them up. And um, I said, I don't think so. I said, you want to be the one taken? That one guy said, no, I want to be left because I want to be left here on the earth doing the Lord's work. And he said a few other things. He said, I need you to really listen here so that you can come out of this deception about this rapture. He said, I have helped many people. He said, I've helped many people see the truth and, and come out of this. And I said, so you're saying you want to be left, not taken. He said, that's right. That's the way you want to be. I said, does the Greek here mean anything to you? Because if it doesn't, it should. Taken is paralambano, embraced, received, accepted. Jesus uses that word in John 14, 3. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and paralambano, receive you to me. That's what taken is in Luke 17. The one left of FMI is divorce, reject, forsaken. I said, so you want to be divorced? You want to be rejected? You want to be forsaken? He wouldn't answer. And there was another one there with him. Neither of them would answer. They waited a little while, and one came back and said, Nope, you got this all wrong. You need to quit worrying about these foreign languages. I said, Whoa. I said, It was written, the New Testament was given to us in the common Greek, the Koine Greek. Words mean things. And he would just not listen. And I kind of, maybe as a little rude, I said, You know, uh, his name was Greg something. I said, Greg. The next time you get behind the wheel of a car, I hope that you treat the words on the road signs 
with more respect than you're treating the Word of God here, or it's going to go badly for you. Well, he's the one that was teaching, you know, and, and that's, I've seen one teacher in all of the history I've followed, not that I know everything. Thank you. It's hot. Thank you. Uh, Missler changed his position on something and admitted it. Uh, you know, it was had to do with the Ezekiel 38 war and the unwalled villages, and he even had a book, and he held it up and said, don't buy this book. I'm going to write one to supersede this book. And I don't. I wish I remembered more of the details, but that was very humble of him. And, but most people won't do that. They'll dig right in in spite of what the Greek says. And then he goes, and one of them said, well, you're getting fed to, your carcass is going to be fed to the, to the buzzards here at the end of Luke 17. <clears throat> this is something we've been over a lot. I said, it doesn't say carcass, and it's not a dead body. You know, the King James has it right. The New <clears throat> King James has it right. The NASB has it right. There's a new version out, relatively new, that a lot of folks are saying is about as faithful as you can get to the true words. It's called the Legacy Standard Bible, LSB, Legacy Standard. You can see it free online. Um, it looks interesting, and it gets it right. But see, in Matthew 24, Jesus said, where the carcass is, there will the buzzards be gathered. That's the tribulation. That's people are dying. But not in Luke. So if you want to see the tribulation in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, that's 21, right? Not 17. So um, the scripture in Luke 17 and 37, I say, where, Lord, where are these that are taken? Where are these that are taken going to be taken to? And it's really clever the way God does this. You've got to really peel back the layers and study, and study it up. Well, where the body is, there will the eagles be gathered. Well, the eagles, buzzards, they gather in the sky before a great feast. They always do. But that Greek word soma in Luke 17:37 means living body. And in Matthew... As he said, where the carcass is, that's Toma, P-T-O-M-A. That means dead body. So a lot of uh, Bible translators, the NIV here, they wrote dead body in Luke 17, 37. The NIV is not fully trustworthy. It's good at an alliteration in some places, and God can use it, but you're, you're going to, as Missler said, you'll outgrow it. You'll outgrow it. So... And, and that's what you hope for. But uh, um, so the way to read that in Luke seventeen thirty seven, where the living body is, the eagles will be gathered together. You couple that with the First Thessalonians four, will be caught up. One guy was saying, "Well, you're making two second comings. You know, how many comings are there, Christ? Just one more." And, and and he says, well, you got him coming for the church and your rapture, you're calling him. He doesn't set foot on the planet then. He catches his his church. Dead in Christ rise first and the, those who are alive and remain are caught up to be with him in the clouds. He's not putting his feet on the planet at that time. Then it all aligns if, if we will let it. Um... And when you look, I mean, for a long time I was kind of bugged by Matthew 24, waiting till late in the chapter to start talking about the one taken and the one left. And 
you know, how could this be the rapture if we done been through, you know, hell and half a purgatory up to this point, you know? Um, <clears throat> but we have to remember these guys that, that wrote these scriptures down, to my knowledge, they didn't write chapters and verses, did they? They just mm-hmm. wrote them down. Not and man, the 14th century. So man later, you know, mm-hmm. broke them out. Now, if you were to debrief some folks that had been been witnesses of the same thing, and the police will do this on accidents, there should be slight variations, or they suspect that it's contrived. Very slight variations, and that's normal. Um, Matthew just <clears> put <throat> the one taken, one left, near the end of, of uh, chapter 24. But, um, you know, I, I think by looking at Luke, chapter 17 is the chapter where you got the rapture and the one taken, one left. And then the tribulation is in 21, the Olivet Discourse in 21. So Luke put the one taken, one left at a point before that, which is interesting and nice to see. <clears throat> If we are to continue our belief in a pre-trib rapture, but um, I really did marvel at the fact that these guys, rather than tweak their truth model just a little bit, they would decide to just ignore what the the scripture really does say and ignore the, the, the Greek words and what those meanings are so that they can just continue to say there's no rapture. So that they can continue to say, oh, you want to be the one left in Luke 17. You don't want to be the one taken. Don't care what the, the Greek says. What is it about somebody that would go there and be that way? It's bizarre. I like Chuck Swindoll. I was listening to him some yesterday. Probably a recording he had made, but he said he he said, I'm eighty three years old, I'm trying to make an order at the drive through. And I'm trying to find what I want on the menu and well the lady in the car behind me just yelling out the window and laying down on the horn that I'm taking too much time and I need to hurry up. So he said, I just waved to her in the mirror and got my order in, I pulled up to the first window. And he said, I told the lady there, I said, I want to cover my food and the one behind me too. I'm paying for hers. And so he said, I paid for them both and I got the two receipts and I drove to the second window and I took my food and hers too and drove away. (laughs) 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 He says it, it. that's funny. That is funny. Uh, Chuck Swindoll. <laughs> uh, must be an old story because he's eighty-five now. That, that must be then. He said he was eighty-three in the. Uh, in the I heard the story. UNC. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's a. He is. So what? His church. Right? So his church is. His church is in Plano, Texas. Plain old Texas. Well, he was at UNC. Okay, maybe Chapel so. Hill. Um, got Jack Mullen on the prayer list here, and most of you met Jack, Vietnam vet, submarine troop, um, looking for maybe a little spot of land up here to purchase, mm-hmm. and um, he don't want a whole lot, he just wants enough to 
maybe put him a house on or maybe just park a gooseneck RV. But um, he wasn't saved when he was here with us before, but he is now. You know, we've talked a lot. I prayed with him on the phone. He's got three different Bibles he's pouring over and asking a lot of questions. Damn. He said, I'm thinking I need to find a church. And fortunately for him, he's about 15 minutes away from a Calvary Chapel down there, Merritt Island, Florida, where he lives. I said, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better fellowship than the Calvary. So uh, he's going to go. And um, he's also said, I feel like I need to get baptized. Now, that was the first feeling I had when I really got saved. Now, you don't have to be immersed and baptized to be saved. We're not Church of Christ here. It's nice. It's a nice statement that you may want to make in front of loved ones and, and, and uh, your peer group and the, and the congregation if you're involved in a congregation. Uh, but, uh, I, I mean, you know, I said, yes, if you feel compelled and you want to do it, you go do it. So... Um, we're very blessed at that report, um, for certain. Uh, Lisa's friend, Jane, she has the prayer list, and also Sam, who's going to be soon going to the Marine Corps, we believe. Forrest and Christina are out there in Southern California, so need an extra prayer for being there. I asked the Lord to send angels with them, and, and that if it not be a good trip, that they just wouldn't go. Well, they did go, so I'm trusting that. They'll be returned safely. Marta and Charles and family. Um, Fassie and Linda, John and Ruby are friends of podcasts here, and they all pray. Our prayer team, Gail and Janice and Ruby, the same Ruby Griffith. Um, you know, having people read this card and add these concerns to their prayer list is, is an honor, is a blessing. President Trump and his family, Marcos, uh, for his family, for his son, he's praying, hoping his son will come to the Christ, to the cross, come to Christ. Our children and our grandchildren. Bob is praying for Mike, and uh, that he would understand peace regarding the loss of his sister, a cousin named is that Jean? Yeah, Jean, on an upcoming heart operation in New Jersey. Pray for the politicians to make correct decisions. That's going to take a miracle there on the world situation, but I think we should pray. We're even praying for the peace of Jerusalem, aren't we? Um, the Middle East situation. And, um, Ukraine. Ukraine for a safe conclusion. Evidence now is coming out that uh, the U.S. has been... I say the U.S., it's really not... Our government, the United States government, the United States of America has been hijacked by globalist cabal interests. And they are the ones operating bioweapons labs in Ukraine. They're the ones creating so-called vaccines in Ukraine. That's why, they're de that's why they're defending that with everything they got. They think they need it. They're losing, by the way. They're starting to, those Ukrainian uh, forces are starting to withdraw. Um, but yeah, we, this that's not America. That is, uh, that is Klaus Schwab and his minions and 
They have worked their ways into every office they can get a hold of in our country. They really like getting a hold of mayor, mayor seats, and uh, DA, district attorneys. They can do a lot with those. Jessica, Richard Sizemore, John, James, Jared, Christian, grandchildren, all veterans. And Debbie, is this Blankenship? Blankenship, yeah. Okay. Ray, pray for the homeless people around it. They find what they need. It's going to be a cold night tomorrow. And Trump and his family lost a loved one. Salvation for those who need it. Eric, Rex, Ted, Ariana Taylor, is that right? Mm -hmm. Unsaved family members, America. John is praying for George Weiser, is that senior? Junior. Junior. And Joe Weiser for salvation. President Trump, wisdom. Okay. Um, you think Hen will ever have enough sense to get out of New York? <laughs> uh, well, hopefully, if, it, if she has to leave, that she'll be able to get out of there in, good, in due time, due course. Um, let's join hands. Father God, we thank you for this time that we could fellowship together. We pray we learn. Help us in the ways that we ought to think. Help us understand that none of us have all the answers. But we like to compare notes and see what we can learn as iron might sharpen iron. We lift these prayer requests up to you. You heard them read. You saw them before they were written down. Your will be done, Lord, in the lives of these and the lives of us and our loved ones. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'll get this uh, published here. A lot of people watch for this on Facebook. They wonder where last week's was. We didn't have one. All right. Should be it. Connection is taking longer. Make sure we're still recording. We are. I just had a few quick things I want to dispense with, and I'll turn it over to Earl. Take your time. No, no, no. You don't want to say that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking at Matthew 24. I mean, and some of you all may have, oh, sure, this is it. You didn't know that? Well, I guess I didn't. I hadn't paid any attention to it until a couple weeks ago. And I do, I do think I touched on it here once or twice. But I wanted to, you know, see what else could be added here. You know, 24, Matthew 24, all the discourse. Um, I now believe that where he picks up uh, verse 36, that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And he starts talking about how it was in the days of Noah, and uh, how one would be taken and one left. They didn't see it coming. It was as, you know, just as um, normal business. This is another thing I was trying to get those guys to understand in that Twitter discussion. You're saying this rapture occurs, and this, 
here at the end of the tribulation, uh, it's not business as usual, is it? Mm-hmm. People are, you know, not knowing where their next meal's coming from, not knowing whether to eat it or not when they do find it. Uh, they're dying of starvation, of thirst, of diseases, of other natural disasters. But uh, it says in Matthew twenty four fourteen. He's talked about a lot of the stuff that's going to be taking place. Wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation. Beginning of sorrows, he said, Then they'll deliver you up to be afflicted. Some of you are going to be killed for his name's sake. Many will be offended. Many false prophets arise. Love shall wax cold. But he, verse 13, that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Then verse 14 says, And... This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. As I was reading in Revelation, um, we uh, look in the kitchen, Mark, should be pizza. Um, And I'd always thought of this, well, you know, the missionaries were out there they're trying to reach every point of the earth. But that is, in a way, it's a losing battle because there's people being born all the time. There are new peoples and tribes in the Amazon jungles that are being found. Well, they didn't get the word. They didn't get the memo. But go to Revelation 14. Let's see if we can overlap that with this part of Matthew 24 to kind of get one of those you are here markers like you go to a shopping mall and you look at the directory and there's a little triangle that says you are here so i wonder i'm not going to die on this hill i'm just going to throw it out there so in revelation 14 is some stuff going on uh just start at the beginning and i looked and lo a lamb stood on the mount sion that's going to be your temple mount right and with him, a hundred and forty and four thousand having his father's name written in their foreheads. These were set aside earlier. They, they're virgins. They did not, it said, defile themselves with women. It says, And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth they're uh, the lamb now standing on mount zion these are they which were not defiled with women for they are virgins these are they which follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth these were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. The first fruits would come to God and to the Lamb. Verse 5 And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Now they're before the throne of God. Verse 6 And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, verse 7, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, 
and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Could Christ in Matthew 24, 14, talking about the gospel, the kingdom shall be preached to all the world, and then the end would come. Is that here then? Could that be here? There's a good case that could be made for that because what would what would necessitate this angel in Revelation 14 preaching the gospel if it had already been taken care of by human missionaries? I don't think it was taken care of by human missionaries. I think they did as much as they could and they did their part. But then there were those who fell through the cracks who maybe didn't get it who might have a fresh look at this sort of thing now that they see what's going on now that they realize when we're in the throes of of trouble here and tribulation maybe uh did you hear that angel saying follow jesus christ for the redemption of your sins um grace is apparently still at work at this point in the tribulation because that's what the gospel is grace so um you know through christ you're saved by grace so then verse 8 there revelation 14 there followed another angel saying babylon has fallen fallen that great city because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication um maybe a little bit rare in my view of that i know that most of you guys may not be uh you could make the case that that is new york city uh, the, there was a babylon new york it's still there it's one of the suburbs um, apparently Jewish people named it that. I don't know if that's the case, but it's kind of like a place of exile. But um, sits on many waters, and as we see in later chapters here, it shuts global commerce down. The destruction of Babylon, the ships just stand afar off and watch the smoke. What other place do we have right now? Maybe one of the China ports? It's going to be a a seaport of some some significant global economic impact, the way it reads. <coughs> so, if Matthew 24, if we're here at verse 14, and, and that ties directly over to, well, see your uh, trumpet judgments are had here. Um, and you, then you go to your bold judgments. Um, Revelation 14 uh, there's a lot of suffering going on Uh, apparently you're showing Babylon falling here in Revelation 14 at the same same point in history that the gospel is being being preached by an angel Um, you know moving to uh, 16 there's these vials or bowls that's the worst of the wrath of God. Um, you know that by the time they got to that point, a massive number of people died, a couple billion at least. And um, but if that is, I'm just saying if, if Christ in verse 14 of Matthew 24 is alluding to Revelation 14 verse 6 that angel preaching before the end would come, then uh, leading up to verse 14 in Matthew 24, these are tribulation events. This is about the tribulation. And then when he gets to verse 36, he 
changes gears and tells you what Luke told you four chapters ahead of the Olivet Discourse in 21. Luke tells about it in 17 and um, the one taken and the one left. Matthew adds it here to end of 24. This has been, of course, noted by people that put the scriptures together and they gave the chapters and they gave the verses. And I think the verses even sometimes are very coincidental. I go through and look at all of the 316s. Usually you come across a 316 just as often as not, there's something very very poignant in that verse, even in the Old Testament. Um, that's just a, a thought that I had. And, you know, they're asking what's the sign going to be. Well, the sign is, you know, he's coming in the clouds. They asked well, what's going to happen and, you know, the, the when and the why and what's the sign. Um, seems like the ultimate sign is seeing him coming in the clouds. Um, and he gathers his uh, elect, and this is verse 31 of Matthew 24. And then he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. He's on his way right now. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. These are elect. I don't think the angels are called elect, are they? If I'm wrong, correct me. These are saved. These are the Lord's followers. This is the bride. And he's got, the, the angels gather them, not from one end of the earth to the other, but from one end of heaven to the other. And I'm feeling as though we follow him right to the earth, and he sets up his earthly kingdom. He divides the sheep and the goats, and, um, you know, um, These are just things I'm pondering on, and I'll continue to. But, um, you know, uh, I want to get it as right as I can. So I'll bring it out in front of everybody here, and uh, I can I can take correction. Just, just ask my wife. Oh, you're listening. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm finished, Earl. Maybe more ways than one. Could we talk about a couple of things you just talked about? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, number one is the gospel. You, 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 Matthew 24, 14, then the gospel should be preached on the yeah, yeah. Then the end shall come. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that the gospel there is 144,000. I used to have people to tell me, said, I'm so big, so excited when that time comes, the gospel is going to be preached all over the world. He said, well, you'd be glad for that. I said, no. Not in a sense that I'm going to be here. That's right. You don't want to be here. I'll be watching it from a mezzanine. Now, it says, let's, let's turn to Matthew 24, 13. Somebody read that. But he that shall endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, endures means, saved does not mean eternally salvation. It means those that will be left alive. And that's talked about the sheep and goat in Matthew 25. And we've read that before. The goats are going to be cast into hell. This is at the second coming. When he comes back to earth. Yes. The sheep goes into the millennial kingdom in the physical body to repopulate the kingdom. Yes. So then the gospel will be preached. The gospel is going to be preached all over the world. 
by these 144,000 Jews, by the two witnesses, and by this angel you're talking about. So the gospel is going to be preached all over the world. The gospel is, is already been mainly preached all over the yes. world now. So that's not talked about before the rapture. That's talked about after the rapture. And you get into your subject on, uh, as it was in the days of Noah, and you hit on it a little while ago. Now that will work, with one exception. Most people believe, oh, I would say most people, a lot of people believe that the ones that's left is going to be the physical human beings that goes in and repopulates the millennial, the sheep. However, you go back and study, as it was in the days of Noah, mm. they'll be eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Yeah. Well, that can't happen at the end of the millennium. End of the I mean, at the end of the yeah. tribulation, excuse right. me. It's going to be, that, like you said, they don't know, it's going to be great trouble. It's not going to be life as normal. Right. So that has to be talking about the rapture. At the beginning of the tribulation. At, at, the, at the end of the, yeah, at, at the beginning of tribulation. Or the end of the church age. Yes. Now, let's talk about Mystery Babylon for a moment. Turn to Revelation chapter 17. Now, the Antichrist comes to power on this false religious system. In chapter 17, and I'm, I'm just going to not get into it too deep, but read the first two or three verses. Then one of the seven angels who had talked, who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come here and I'll show you this judgment of the great harlot. Now that's the false religious system that's going to rule the world. Who sits on many waters. Now the last verse in this chapter tells you who the many waters are. Somebody read that. And, last verse? Mm -hmm. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Yeah, that was Rome at that time. But it was over the kings of the earth. That is the whole earth, right? Says that, yeah. Okay. Now, in verse, back in verse 17, verse 2, which is the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the habits of the earth were made drunk and wine of a fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman seated on a scarlet beast, which is full of names of blaspheme, and having seven heads and ten horns. And on it goes. Now this woman is this false religious system. Okay. This Antichrist is going to come to power on this false religious system. But at the midpoint of the tribulation, and that's what it goes over back Matthew 24, 15, when you see therefore the abomination of desolation. Standing in the holy place. Yeah, spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Mm -hmm. Let the reader read understand. Now, everybody read that. Yep. Everybody's supposed to, you're obligated now to understand what it means, if you're ready. So, that's it. But, that is the midpoint of the tribulation. Yeah. Now, this is Mr. Babylon in Revelation 17, so far. Now, it may be the city of Rome at one time. It was at this point in time. But what is Mr. Babylon as a whole? And you said New York and, and things like that. Go to Zechariah chapter 5. Now remember this woman is the great harlot. And it, it's evil. It's a false religious system. And to uh, Zechariah chapter 5 and we're going to read the first half thing about five verses here. And let you make your mind up. Chapter 5, verse uh, 5. Then the angel who talked with me came out and said to me, Lift up your eyes now and see what this is that goes forth. 
So I asked, what is it? And he said, it is a basket. That basket that is Ephraim. And it's a unit of measure. He also said, this is resembled throughout the earth. Now suppose this is the same thing that talked about in Revelation 17. The false religious system. Okay. Verse 7, and here is a lead disc lifted up. And this is a woman sitting inside the basket. Now suppose this woman is the same woman. In the false religious system. Yeah. Right? Now, at the midpoint of the tribulation, the Antichrist says, I don't need you anymore. And he does away with it. it it's, it's done. He sets up the mark of the beast and for him to be worshipped only. So what happens to the false religious system? Mr. Babylon, in it's other words. Dissolved. Well, easy. Verse 8, then he said, this is wickedness. And he trusts her and down in the basket and threw the lead cover over his mouth. Now, the basket is a unit of measure. Now, the false religious system is unit of measurement of things. But it had a lead disc over it. In other words, she was trapped in there, in that ephra. She couldn't get out, right? Mm -hmm. That's when she was overthrown. In verse 9, Then I raised my eyes and looked, and there was two women coming with the wings, Wind in the wings, and they had wings like the wings of the stork. Now, if you read Leviticus in the Old Testament, storks were unclean birds. Okay. Okay. And they lifted up the basket between the earth and heaven and earth. In other words, they lift this false religious system, and that's going to move it somewhere. What did they move it to? Verse 10, So I said to the angels who talked with me, Or are they carrying the basket? And he said to me, to build a house for you in the land of Shinar. Where's Shinar? Babylon. Babylon. To build a house for you in the land of Babylon, where it is ready, the basket will be set there on its base. Now, I'm one of these odd people that totally believe that Mr. Babylon and the Babylon in the future is going to be Babylon in the past. Now, there's a lot of other viewpoints, but I think this right here proves that it's going to be carried right back and set, up, set on its original base. Well, how long from that point in time will it take that nation to have the global economic power that we see in Revelation? Well, it, it, put, you, put it this way. How long would it take any other power? Now, this is actually, everything's going to be smashed in the tribulation, right? Or going into that point. Uh, United States probably is not going to be a major player in the last day of prophecy because there's nothing said in, in prophecy about the United States. Well, it, you know me, I think it's Daniel 8, but we can talk about that when we get there. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but I think it's going to be carried back. Suppose the system is already moving forward in there. And all they got to do is just set it down and go to go to business. So Shinar is the same place that it started under Nebuchadnezzar, or actually under Nimrod. Tower of Babel. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, Saddam Hussein was wanting to restore it. Well, he had restored a lot of it before he was killed. He built the uh, uh, what's the name of the street? Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> no. Can't think of the name of the street right now, 
but he built some of the tires and stuff like that, the convention hall, and he built a lot of stuff. So I, I believe, I'm a firm believer that Babylon, and a lot of people say, well, why did it, how can you get those ships in there and everything like that? When you're Euphrates River, the Bible says it's going to dry up for the kings of the east. And, yeah. and a lot of people say the Euphrates is dried up now. I don't think so. Anymore. I've seen pictures of what is presumably the Euphrates, and it don't look good. It's, it looks like yeah. a little branch in places. But, um, you know, uh, it's... Uh, It'll be interesting. I know that Mesler also agrees that it's the original Babylon. I, I believe it is. Um, Joel Rosenberg, uh, who uh, <coughs> had a few prophecies that modern day, uh, he wrote a book before 9-11 about terrorists attacking high-rise buildings with airplanes in Denver. Uh -huh. And there was a lot of points of connection there, but uh, even to the point that you know, the FBI but, was really grilling them. But a lot of people believe it's New York. A lot of people believe it's uh, Rome. A lot of people believe it's other cities. And well, it could be any of those, but I don't think so. What if it were, like I say, a network of, of uh, if, if, okay, many waters, I mean, you know, some of these ships are looking at the destruction of Beijing. Some are looking at the destruction of the Middle Eastern powerhouses. Mm -hmm. Some are looking at the destruction of New York and, and, and you know, uh, the ports in India. If it all happened at once, but it, it talks about as mystery Babylon. A mystery is, Babylon? What is a mystery? It hasn't been revealed yet. It was things that was known in the past. Mysterion is the word. Yes. And it means things that happened in the, that was in the past, but it's now revealed to us. Because Paul uses that when he appears to be telling us about the rapture. Uh-huh, in Matthew 11, 25. Don't uh, be ignorant of this mystery, brother. The hardness in part has come to... That's Roman, Romans 11, yeah. 25. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's worth considering, though. I just feel like we're right upon it, and whatever it's going to be. To me... <clears throat> this Texas coalition thing and all these states that said they'll join Texas in defending the border. Texas is now building a military compound on the border to house 1,800 troops. Have you heard that? Uh -huh. So they're not playing. Yeah. And other states joining mm -hmm. them. You could see how America could fragment. Well, sure. Yeah. Now, I think the year 24 is going to be a very interesting year. Crazy. To it? say the least. Yes. It's going to be very interesting. Now, am I saying the rapture going to happen 24? I'm not saying that. It uh, could. Sure. Uh, you know, the Bible teaches intimacy. Yeah. And what does that mean? It don't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. It means the next thing, next thing on the agenda. It At means a time that, when you think not. <laughs> yeah. It means that there's nothing has to happen. Yeah. Now, there's second coming. There's plenty happening <coughs> before the rapture can happen. Uh, the second coming can happen. And one of the things that has to happen is the rapture. You know, we went through this twice, I think. Yes. While the Bible teaches that a, a post-trib rapture is an impossibility. Not doable. And I shared with those guys Deuteronomy 24-5. Yeah. And when a man takes a wife, he spends a year cheering her up. I said, is Jesus going to keep that word or break that word? Now, I want to ask you this. This is the right, W-R-I-G-H-T, okay. interpretation. <laughs> Now, 
<laughs> the girl's last name is Wright for the podcast listener. And Jesus teaches in the epistles in the New Testament about adultery, right? Yes. Now, don't try to build doctrine on this, but it's just a viewpoint that I came up with. Israel in the Old Testament is called the, Israel's divorced wife in several places. Yeah. Now, the church is called the bride of Christ. The Virgin Bride of Christ. Okay. Now, in a symbolic viewpoint, I guess, can Jesus deal with both people, both women, at the same time and not commit adultery? And well, if we're grafted into Israel as the church, it is the same uh, root, you know, Romans 11 talks about. Uh, what do you think? I think he can't because Israel had to be set aside. Before the church could even come into being, divorced, divorced. Didn't know that in Jeremiah thirty-one they had a new covenant. They, they, there's a new covenant now. Who's that covenant for? I think the church. Go to thirty-one, thirty-one. Read it and just get this cleared up. Well, take me a second to find my eyesight ain't as good as the ones. Well, you don't you need. Just you don't, don't need to see. You turn your fingers across it. <laughs> but Dan, you got it. Yeah. I'll get it. I'm in Jeremiah, at least. 31, 31. That's it. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. With who? Judah. Israel and Judah. Judah. And plus the United States, right? Don't say that, does it? No. It's making it with Israel. Now, when's that new covenant going to be set in effect? It's already in effect. Now, who's reaping the benefit of it? We are. The church. Because Israel is set aside. But it's going to be completely fulfilled in the millennial when God starts dealing with Israel. Uh -huh. Go to Romans eleven twenty six. Dan's uh, quicker. I'm going to trigger. I don't know about that. I got a new Bible. I got stuck together pages here. <laughs> eleven twenty six. Yeah, then all Israel will be saved. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion a deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now that don't mean all the Israel is Israel. Now remember, we got to go back and understand who. The, Aren't the Zionists the ones causing a lot of problems sure. in this world right now? Sure. And they're separate from the average Jewish person. They, But, you know, the three descendants of Abraham. Now Abraham was the first Jew. There's a physical of the physical. A, a physical of the physical. Right. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right on down the line. Yeah. A Jew, period. There's a spiritual of the physical. And that means a believing. Now we're talking about Israel as a nation. There's a spiritual of the physical. And that's what it means there and all Israel will be saved. But there's got a lot of things got to happen there. Then there's a spiritual that's non-physical. Who's that? Us. See, we're spiritual. That's when, when uh, Daniel said we grafted in. Mm -hmm. And we right now are reaping the benefits of the new covenant. Yeah. Okay, you got it. Okay. We're, now, will that always be the case? The church has to be taken out of the way and raptured before God's going to start dealing with Israel again. Okay. Now, at the end of the tribulation, there's going to be a lot of things happening to Israel and to the Gentiles. Now, remember, there's two separate people, mm -hmm. the Jews and the Gentiles, or Israel as a nation and the Gentiles. 
Now, if you're a Jew right now, and you become a believer in Jesus Christ, now that don't change your nationality, but what happens to you? You're baptized with the Holy Spirit and become part of the body of Christ, and at the rapture, you're gone. Yes. That's right. The Messianic Jesus. Yeah. Well, in verse 28, a conundrum. I've, I've got a really unique way of looking at this as far as I can tell, because that... And you'll probably just shoot me down like <laughs> As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. They're held in blindness until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Uh-huh. Now, I'm not a Calvinist. I don't think God's going to put somebody in hell for this, just for the sake of saving someone else and not give that person an opportunity. So, um, well... I agree partly with what you say. But when was blindness, when did blindness become upon Israel? Look at Luke 19, 42. And that's the day of this, yeah. This, somebody read that and get, we get this in context. This is when it, this, Jesus came and presented himself king of Israel. Now there's two reasons Christ came. Mine is one. <laughs> now we know he all came even before he left heaven to die on the cross for our sin. But he also came to present his present himself king of Israel. And remember when he do miracles in the gospel and people try to make him king, he said, no, my time has not yet come. Yeah. That's not talking about the crucifixion. That's talking about presenting himself king of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, 19, Luke 41. Uh, 42. Okay, saying, if thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side. Let me stop you just a moment. It says, if you know this, your day, thy day. Now, we get into that when we get to chapter 9. Now, this gets complicated. It's the 173,880th day. Jesus held him totally responsible for knowing that very day that he would present himself king of Israel. Now, what we're going to learn in chapter 9, where did that 183,880th day come from? It came from, uh, well, it, it came, you've got to start at zero. A decree that... Come down, and you've got to start there. But why did they miss the time of his uh, presenting himself king of Israel? They were looking for a... a no, read, read verse 44, the last sentence. And shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children with thee, and they shall not leave... And the one stone upon another. And I have in 70 AD. Yes, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Okay, in other words, the reason they didn't know, God held me responsible for knowing the very day, the very day, that he would come back and present himself king of Israel. Because they didn't know that, then they hid things from their eyes. And what you just read a moment ago in Romans 11, 25, they're going to be hidden until the fullness of the Gentiles will be come in. And these, though, they have offspring. And with individual souls, and uh, what if they're held in blindness for the sake of what their parents did? This is my this is my convoluted notion. Okay. And this is what I would like to believe, and I think I've got enough Bible to say this is the case. Abraham's bosom was not in front of God the Father. Abraham wasn't there. He was in a comfortable place where the rich man also went. Was this Luke? You mean Lazarus? Um, I'm sorry, right. Lazarus also went. The rich man was on the other side of the uh-huh. gulf. And, but this is a place of comfort, but not 
before God the Father because there's only one way. And we've touched on this. Only one way to the Father, and then that's through Christ. So did Christ lead captivity out of there? Well, there's evidence that you could take that way, that he went there and led captivity. He told the the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Well, that was there where Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the Old Testament saints were comfortable but not yet able to go before God the Father because Christ had not come to take them there. Now, what if that place continued to exist after the fact? Mm -hmm. This Abraham's bosom where these blinded will be put when they pass on, waiting for, let's just suggest, the two witnesses of Revelation 11 while they're dead three days. Could they go there and say, guess who's the Messiah? These are just musings and thinking out loud, but I like to always think that God gave every every living soul an opportunity to be saved. Absolutely. Now, Abraham's bosom just means alongside Abraham, mm-hmm. beside of Abraham. Okay. Now, like you said, these guys, Lazarus and some a lot of other guys, the Old Testament way of salvation was doing the animal sacrifice. Now, that didn't mean that saved you. It means you believed in looking ahead yes. for the coming cross. Now, the ones that didn't believe a doom the animal sacrifice was lost. They were tormented. Now, at, at the emptying of... Now, I, I, you know, <clears throat> we could do a big study on did Jesus actually go in and lead them out? Uh, some say he did, some say he didn't. I don't much he believe did. so. Scripture says he did. Show me. It was empty when he left. Well, it says... Uh, Sheol still existed. Sheol and Hades is the same thing, Greek and Hebrew. Right. Yeah. Um, Who carried ladders to Abraham's bosom? Davies was the rich man. Yeah, but who carried Lazarus? The angels. 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 Now, look at Ephesians chapter 4, what is it, verse 14, 15, somewhere in that range. You can do that, Bob. I'm looking up at captivity. This is going to get that. <laughs> okay. well, I thought he emptied it out, but it still existed for those that would come after. Well, let's talk about that in a little bit slower motion. Let's let's read this uh, uh, Ephesians chapter four. Okay. Um, then what you believe? I think, I think so. I mean, but, you know, I'm not dogmatic about it enough. I'm not either, but it's just... Ephesians 4 and what? 8 and 9. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, that he ascended, what is, is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Okay, now, what is the lower parts of the earth? Now, there's three viewpoints of that. Number one is the reincarnation at his birth and death. Number two is ascension to the earth. The earth. Right. Number three is the lower parts is Hades, what you're talking about. Now there's three different words, and nobody knows sure which one it's talking about. It, it, did he actually go into Hades and let them loose? First Peter three eight. Read that to us. That Eight is, nine. I can't get there quick enough. What on? So, it says, My fun, 
Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. I'm sorry, 18 and 19. Okay. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which excuse me, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Okay, now when you see he went and preached, that doesn't mean preach the gospel. It means to make a proclamation. And what's that proclamation? We know from other places that what you guys tried to do, now what did Jesus say, God say in the days of Noah, that the whole world has become corrupt, right? Mm -hmm. Not one soul other than the eight are believers. What had they done? Well, we won't get into that right now, but they'd done something that was trying to, in fact, the DNA of the Christian human race. They corrupted it. And corrupted it. But what he told them, that didn't work. I'm still Lord. And did he go, now a lot of people say he went to the paradise side and preached across the chasm like Abraham and the rich man talked to yes, each other. Yes, yes. And now let me ask you this question. What would be the, now they was in hell, in Hades or Sheol, mm -hmm. in torments. I, I use the word torments for the lost. Why would he go and preach the gospel to them? You don't have a second chance to be saved. No. I've often wondered that. Not only that, but it says it went I, to them. I don't think that he did. Them that were in prison. Uh, it uh, says, now, what he was talking about, those in prison were in torment. Because sometimes yes. they were disobedient before the, the of, flood. Before yeah. the flood, in the days of Noah. Well, he preached to them. But did he go there? I don't think so. That's what I believe, that he didn't go there. I think no. that, now, I think he preached to them. And this is the same thing maybe that happened because he released. Okay, so... Like you say a proclamation. Yeah, he made a proclamation. So Abraham was at this place of comfort, but he wasn't in heaven with God the Father yet. No, no, no. All the Old Testament saints were there too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they came out of there, but they had to come out of there with Christ as their Savior, acknowledging Him. Absolutely. And so... Wouldn't he have gone there, or do you think he didn't necessarily need to go there? Well, he didn't need to go to paradise. But why would he go to Hades? I think that I he mean, went. That's to, a good question. I don't know. I they, think he went to paradise their, and preached their across faces the chasm. Were sealed. Their fates were sealed. Yeah. We told Mary Magdalene, "Don't touch me. I haven't sinned." Well, that's going up. That's, yeah. that's right. Yeah. If you're if you're in Hades, you don't have another shot. Do you? No, no, no. Unless you're Catholic. Well, the word is proclamation. He told these people in, in Hades that what they tried to do didn't work. I'm still Lord. That's right. And my DNA is not contaminated. Well, now, you know, he did essentially one of those things which you read earlier out of Luke 19. He told them, this is your faith. This is what you did. This is why things aren't going well for you. Yeah. He was not trying to rub their nose in it. He no. was just telling them. He told them. So they had no case. Maybe he wanted these in prison to have no case. 
to just say, look, you know, this is it, and that's not. And now, when he emptied paradise, where did the believers go? I would say with him to the Lord, and God the Father. What did Jesus, uh, Paul say in, in uh, first, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2 and 3? Called up to the third heaven. Into paradise. Okay, uh, he did say that. Into paradise. I think paradise is where everybody right now, now don't misunderstand, I'm not trying to connect the whole Old Testament saints, the church age saints together. They're not. They're not going to be resurrected at the same time. But I think they're all there. I think when we die, we go to paradise. See, we've got some steps to take if we're saved. When we die, well, when we get salvation, that's step one. When we die and go to paradise, step two. When we get a resurrected body, we go into the New Jerusalem. Yeah, or, yes. or that's step three. Then we'll rule and reign, step four, with New Jerusalem being on earth. So we'll com commute? Oh, absolutely. From New Jerusalem to earth? Absolutely. Yes, I agree. Well, why does it say absent from the body, present with the Lord? That's what it means. Well, See, I mean, where's the Lord at? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is. But can we visualize what things is outside of time and eternity? Well, I'm just stating what I, I've learned. I know what you're saying. Well, 139 Psalms says God is everywhere, even in yeah. the steps of hell. Now, God can be in paradise. He can be there. He's omnipresent. He's omnipresent. But he says he's also seated at well, the right hand of the Father. And isn't that, where Satan, isn't that where Satan comes up periodically and he's called the accuser of the brethren? Probably. You know, Probably. So, but that's Jesus. That's not God the Father. They're the same. Not they're exactly. Not. Well, I understand there's the functional... Jesus is the body. Yeah. Okay, Jesus is there, but God the Father is not inhibited from being in one place at one time. Now, the Jesus. Father is the Spirit. He's omnipresent. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit, too. Believe it or not, Jesus is in human form. Now, not flesh and bones. What did he tell Philip? Uh, uh, Touch me. And handle me. A spirit don't have flesh and Thomas. bones. Thomas. That I have. Yeah. Don't claim to me. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. don't, yeah. But so, that's how he interacts with humanity. You know, uh, and there's going to be humanity during the millennial age. And they look on the wrong God the Father, they're going to be dead, mm -hmm. according to Scripture. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. So they look at Christ. Now, a lot of people will teach when, when a Christian dies, he gets his glorified body, and that's it. Yeah. That's not biblical. No. That comes later. That comes later. He doesn't need a glorified body yet because the business of the millennial kingdom isn't set up yet. Um, and I wouldn't want to be playing around down here in this mess. You know? Uh, I would just. What form do we take then? Well, that's a good question. And a lot of people ask that question. Erwin Lutzer. I don't know if you... Erwin Lutzer. Yeah, Chicago. Chicago Moody yeah. Church. Is that Joe Biden? I bet it is. He's <laughs> another speaker. Bob needs another. He needs to write Joe another speech. Erwin <laughs> Lutzer. Now, Edwin. what he says, we're going to be a recognizable spirit. Now, yeah, I think so. But Paul said, I'll be known as I'm known. Mm -hmm. Now, and Moses at the transfiguration. Exactly. Elijah. Exactly. Moses and Elijah. The day Peter knew him, he never met him. Wouldn't have never seen him. Never seen him. Who did so, he knew him? But he knew him. But I and think we will have. Being tagged. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'd be, I'd be Moses. 
But I think we're going to, I think they were in their recognizable spirit. And I think that's exactly what kind of body we're going to have. You're given a clothing, aren't you? And then you get your resurrected body. Do what now? You're given a clothing. Well, it kind of appears that way. It kind of appears that way. That we do have some kind of clothing. Now, Adam, uh, the two witnesses had clothing. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to be exactly like them. But that's not our glorified body. No. But you're given a temporary. Well, it's, a temporary. it says we put on Christ mm-hmm. like a rope. Mm-hmm. Like this a place is called white raiment. Yeah. Unless you're Perry Stone, it's white remnant. <laughs> that means <laughs> it always right. says white remnant. That's the righteousness of God. We love Perry, though. Um, but now, the resurrection, you know that the only person right now that ever existed that has a glorified body is Jesus Christ. That's it. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus has got location as we speak. He can't be here, there, and there at the same time. Now, he may travel at the speed of thought. Yeah, seems to. Yeah. Now, I was teaching that many, many, many years ago, and this little lady sitting on the front row, he said, she said, how fast do you travel in heaven? I said, at the speed of thought. She thought of me, she said, I was hoping I'd be a little faster than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was in, uh, in Genesis where Sodom and Gomorrah is just a complete mess. And uh, God is, in effect, saying from the throne, well, this, the report that's come to me is not good. I think I'm going to go down there and uh, take a look and see if it's as bad as the cry of it has been. Uh and I always thought that was strange. But then when you understand the Trinity, mm-hmm. uh, God the Father, in his mind, he already knew. Oh, yeah. And he said, well, you know, I'm going down there in my body so that people don't start dropping like flies as I walk the streets. And because uh, even the deity in Christ, when he said, I am, to those uh, soldiers, they fell over. Uh-huh. But uh, that's his way of interacting with humanity without causing us to die. Can't look on the Father's face and live. Yeah. But Jesus will always have a physical body. Yeah. And all yeah. says we'll be like him. Yeah. Because we know him and we'll see him as he is. The multitudes yeah. of people who are going to want to see him and draw close to him. I mean, are we losing time there? Are we waiting? That's one of the things I've wondered. Probably no sense of time. Maybe no sense I'd of time. i say that's right. Years ago. Yeah. 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 Well, See, that's something. something that this blows me away. Is he? I mean, we're going to be there in our natural body and know more than we know now, but there'll be no time. I, I cannot grasp my mind around that. Yeah. Well, it's going to be better than this place it's got. Oh, time. absolutely. Because typically time is not very good to us here. <laughs> you know. Well, time, the only thing time does, well, I, that's not true, but one thing time does is deteriorate your soul body. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And when we get to heaven in a new body, even if it was time, and there may be some form of time, it seems like in Revelation, a few places, the evening and morning, and the trees bear its fruit in twelve months. Well, yeah, and the leaves are the healing of the nations. Now it seems like there's going to be a form of time, but that's going to be in eternity. That's not going to have anything to do with twenty-four hours. Twenty-four hour period. I'm talking about the New Jerusalem. The, they call the pearly gates and you see all these depictions and cartoons and on commercials and there's these great big gates just encrusted with pearls that's not a pearly gate the pearl is one pearl uh-huh. there's 12 of them 
massive pearl. <laughs> my wife, maybe I've told you this. No, but I think it's just as sweet as it can be. And I think she's right. How does God make pearls? Irritation. With what? Sand. Oysters. <laughs> and her theory is, you know, we think we're looking at mountain ranges as we explore the ocean floors. What if we were looking at some of these oysters that are going to produce the gates of the New Jerusalem? Just a thought. That's how God makes pearls. Mm -hmm. Of course he could speak them into existence, but it doesn't he typically prefer to act within his creation and, um, you know, he could speak whatever he would into existence, but, well, you know, let's make, you know, an oyster to make a pearl. I don't know what the diameter of those things would be. They don't close, it says, but they're there. And that's interesting. But what has to happen before oyster is adored? You have, to get irritation. you have to remove it from his place. Right? Yeah. Right? yeah. We're going to teach that Sunday morning, and, and I'm going to teach, Lord willing, of whoever wrote the book of Hebrews. Right. And, you know, there's mixed three of them. I think Paul did. Mm. But can you prove it? I'm going to teach why didn't he sign it? Or who had the most benefit of not signing And Wow. You you can you can scramble the threes and sevens all together and make it come out exactly right by using Paul's theory. The Apostle John comes closest to the second place, but it won't work. It's really interesting. It sounds an awful lot like Paul. He talks about the uh, the milk and the solid food and a few other things. Uh, Bob here pointed something out one time. It's it's at least worth considering. Uh, and that's, uh, it, it's uh, comparing two verses, and I never seem to find it when I want to. No, that's the way it works. Isn't it? That's <laughs> correct. That's Galatians and... Uh, what? Yes, shall live by faith? Well, he says... Galatians. Uh, uh, um, he makes a statement from Habakkuk the just shall live by faith now that could be one unit or a trilogy I'll scramble around here it could be a unit of one or a trilogy of three yeah. the just shall live by faith and you can carry that all the way through and come out. And if Paul would have signed the book of Hebrews, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Uh, is uh, Galatians 1, 12, 11, it looks like 11. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. That's the backside of the desert. So then you look at um, uh, Hebrews 2 and 3, which says, How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was 
first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So that sounds like whoever wrote that had it confirmed to him by others. Yeah. Potentially men. Now, let's go this way. The just shall live by faith. Back at 2.4. That's described three places in the New Testament. The just, Romans, right. chapter 1, shall live. Galatians, how should they live? By faith, Hebrews. Now, that's the Holy Spirit, I think, bending over backwards, says the same guy that wrote the first two wrote the last one. The yeah. same guy that wrote Romans and Galatians wrote the book of Hebrews. But, yeah, I mean, you could make that case, and that could certainly be right. And I can, I can, I'm, I'm going to go through all these threes. Well, the Holy Spirit sevens. signed yeah. off on it all. The Holy Spirit signed off on it. All scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit. All scriptures. Even the things that Paul says, I guess, in 1 Corinthians 7. A lot of times they can ascribe an author to a certain book by textual criticism, the language of the day. Like we have a certain... Like when they were making the movie... Um, Band of Brothers. Mm -hmm. They were talking about you can't use any of the current local current jargon that we use. Like, man, that dude is really boss or some crap like that. Those words did not work in that time frame. So Spielberg told those actors, "Don't bring any of that kind of nonsense into this film." You know, so that's the same way I think a lot of the scripture here, because this was written over a period of fifteen hundred years, three continents, forty different authors, twenty nine and. 27 to 39. So you can see the difference in the, well, sure. the language mm -hmm. and you can ascribe a certain prophet or author to that time frame. That's the way I look at it. Now, we've done quite well in Daniel today. <laughs> <laughs> We're an hour and 15 minutes right now. But do you realize Daniel is the most criticized book in the Bible by liberal scholars? It's so accurate that it couldn't have been written sure. beforehand. It has to be written after the fact. They said that, and then along came the Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> and in the Septuagint, Daniel was in the book of Sep, in the Septuagint. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows what the Septuagint is, right? Yeah. It's the, the um, Latin uh, rendering of the Old Testament. Yeah, see, the, the average Jew back in 200 B.C. or in give or take 50 years, they could not read Hebrew. Only just a high priest and some of the well-trained people. Just like the average Catholic can't read Latin, only the trained people. Yeah. So Alexander the Great and his regime, I think it's the guy under him, wrote the book of the Hebrew language into Koine Greek called the Septuagint. Septuagint just means LXX 70, 70 scholars translated. Well, now, actually, it's a, it's a blessing that we don't have the original script. They'd make because shrines it would be venerized. So much, but there's another reason. There's so many copies made, and when you compare those copies and you see one that's really out of whack, you know it's not it. It's not right. Mm -hmm. So you got four or five copies, that's and what there I'm, are there's hundreds of copies. You got uh, the Sinaiticus, and you got Vaticanus, and what Missler said I think is perfectly correct. He said Sinaiticus and Vaticanus, yes, they're older, but they were found in good That's shape because they fell from use they weren't complete yeah and see this niv is based on those and that's why it's missing verses now i'm like you i think there's a lot of good translation most people say the new american standard is one of the better translations. If they do and but the niv it's okay okay but I, yeah I, you know 
it just says what it says. It's yeah. transliteration. I've explained it before. I like how the King James puts things eloquently, and it's it's just a beautiful. It's almost poetic. And I said it's it's the difference between approaching the bench and court and saying, King James thought, Your Honor, if it please the court, may I approach the bench? Yeah. Versus NIV, you come swaggering up to the bench and say, Judge, I got something I need to say to you. <coughs> now. You're saying the same thing, but in bad difference in tones and ways. The NIV isn't that bad. I got saved reading it. Well, sure. I mean, I that's a, not, yeah. Well, the gospel's in it. No, yeah. Yeah. But I, I you know, as, 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 as we said, you outgrow it. You but now, when you translate the scripture, when you translate it, is it possible to make mistakes? Sure. You, sure. Make you will do that. Are there any mistakes in the King James? Absolutely. You no say doctor, Easter. No doctor. Easter's a, a, a mistake, but I, you know, it's there, and God didn't just go, oh, face palm. No, it, it was translation here. Now, when it's in, in First Peter, chapter three, I believe, all scriptures are given inspiration. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. There was no mistakes in that. He didn't. The Holy Spirit didn't inspire a mistake to be made. As time went on and it's translated in other languages, the translationer. Well, ma- on the on ma- that, it's Acts twelve and four where Passover, Pascha, and yeah, Easter. Uh, you know, in my view, okay, let's say Easter's a pagan holiday. The only founding for that is Alexander Hislop's book Two Babylons, which is debunked now. He made yeah, a I've lot got of, the book, huh? I've got the yeah. book. Uh, Ralph Woodrow really tore into it, and he he was a big fan of it yeah. for years. He's, but what is Esther Easter? What about the Book of Esther? That's you could say that's a pagan name because it's the same root. It means a star. Um, did God? To me, if God has a severe problem with something, he'll tap you on the shoulder and say, "Don't write that." I think he was maybe okay with it. That's my view. Okay. <laughs> We'd let it fall away. Well, you know, it's uh, no other translation has Easter in Acts 12 and 4. That's the only place it's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but uh, it's interesting. Um, it sure is. They were. Does it, Esther's name come from Easter? No. Ishtar, Ishtar, Ishtar. And see, uh, Hislop come up with this Ishtar goddess that had a rabbit that laid eggs, he said. <laughs> he's got no. He's, there's. They, they researched his footnotes and all of his bibliography. It's just dead end nut roads to nowhere. He hated the Catholic Church, and he wanted to skewer him. And of course, he did. But as Ralph Woodrow says, you don't need to make up stuff in order to find the corrupt doctrine of the Catholicism. You know, it's, it, it won't stand even on its own in view of this word. So. We had a Catholic priest come into Truck Stop Ministries one time. It's non-denominational. And I was a Catholic for 43 years. You know, I went through the Legion of Mary. So and you made it. him regret showing up. He'll never be back. He'll <laughs> never come back. Be nice. I was nice. Uh, but so well, next not. time, Lord willing, we'll get we'll you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Now, next week, unless something changes, I won't be here. No. Or, uh, unless something changes, it might. You got a long route. I've got other things going on. People's coming later in the day, mm-hmm. and uh, 
Gotcha. Okay. They may change that. I don't know. Well, let us yeah, let us know because I'll I'll let Daniel or Jerry know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jerry don't make up things, does he? Not too often. Have to, you know. Only if it benefits him. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But He's one well, of those I don't blame him. I mean, I would do that too. But what we're going to get into is is conversion of Nebuchadnezzar, and that's what I thought was going to go to today. But I'm sorry. No, no, no. Don't no. I mean, This is what makes a good Bible study. I think. I do, I do too, give and take and mm-hmm. exploring things and being led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Just for the record, Jerry's about the most honest and decent person I know, so that was a joke a minute ago. Well, I don't doubt it a bit, and I think he is too. Yeah. Got uh, you all fooled. Well, yeah, really? we're easy fool. We're kind of we're slow up here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's join hands. And uh, Jerry, you, you close the stuff. Okay. Holy Father, we bow. Thanking you for your word and how you pour it into our lives and give us a chance to see a glimpse of you. Lord, we thank you that uh, we can assemble here in what's left of our freedom in America. I pray for our country. Amen. That you raise up men that would honor your word. And as we uh, look into your word, may we be convicted and live according to what you say. Bless each person here and those who couldn't make it. And we just uh, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good to see you.